So I decided to do some slides today just because we're doing Samuel and Kings, and uh, there's a lot there, and it gets confusing. <laughs> and just for my own sake, um, did some uh, did a PowerPoint. Um, so <clears throat> first thing you have, you have a um, uh, give you an idea. You have an outline or a timeline in, in your hands. Um, and so, ooh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the timeline goes from creation all the way to the end of the te- Old Testament, all right? And what we're dealing with today, so what we've talked about already was Genesis, you know, we had creation, call of Abraham, period of the patriarchs and such, and then um, we did, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right there. Um, that was a great lesson. Um, and then we did the conquest. Um, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Now we're in uh, 1 Samuel, going from basically this period to the period of the monarchy, all the way to um, the, the, the exile, basically, uh, over there at 515, the Babylonian exile, um, or 586. Um, so that's the time period we're, um, we're going to be looking at today. <clears throat> Um, and you can see down bottom all the different books that are written on there. Um, that was a great resource uh, that I found um, online. But uh, so Israel, <clears throat> um, so Israel at this point has judges. We're starting off where where the judges are. <clears throat> God had designed or intended uh, in, in Israel to have a have a monarchy, but it was a, a theocratic monarchy. Um, but uh, through um, through the book of Judges, we see Israel continually rejecting uh, God, rejecting a single leader, um, and they put God out of their lives, right? So everybody did what was right in his own, own eyes. Time comes that they're willing to have a monarchy or a monarch, but they don't want God to be that monarch, right? So... Um, So then we get into the book of Samuel. <clears throat> so the people are, um, and I'm not really going to follow those outlines. I just left them, uh, let y'all have them. Um, so the people are uh, wanting a king, and they're rejecting God as a king. And so um, when they have a king, or when they have kings, it's a mixed bag. So you have <clears throat> some good kings, you have some terrible kings. And you got some kings that are kind of both, okay? Um, and so this is going to go all the way from the first king all the way down to uh, the final. Um, and uh, really not the final, final. So David, we see, is the forerunner of, of Christ. Um, in this book, the book of Samuel, uh, it's mainly about three characters. All right, so about Samuel, Saul, and David. That's the primary characters in the book of Samuel. Um, so the book of Samuel, we have first Samuel, second Samuel, and we also have first Kings and second Kings, right? First Chronicles and second Chronicles. Historically, those are actually just one book. So Kings, Samuel was one book. Kings was one book. Chronicles was one book. Why did they make it two books? It's a simple reason because Hebrew on a scroll takes up less space than Greek. And so when they're translating from Hebrew to Greek, 
they had to use two scrolls. And so they did one and two. That's the only reason, right? It's, a, it's an arbitrary, if it's split, it's arbitrarily. There's no, there's no, uh, uh, it's just cut in half, basically, okay? So, um, so I thought that was an interesting little tidbit that I, I didn't know. So, um, uh, so Samuel, um, so the book of Samuel was completed after the kingdom is divided. Uh, it had multiple art authors in the book of Samuel. <clears throat> Samuel was one of them. Nathan was another. And then a, somebody named Gad was one. You can find that in 1 Chronicles 29, 29. Uh, says who the authors of Samuel, the book of Samuel was. Uh, there are three main concepts, um, or the three main concepts of prophet, priest, and king are articulated for the first time in the book of Samuel. I already mentioned that. So the main theme of, uh, of Samuel is the establishment of the Davidic kingdom in Israel. Now that's the main, the main point we're going to see. Um, and the three main characters I just mentioned. All right, so Samuel. Who is Samuel? Samuel's the last judge. Right? Uh, and there were three types of judges in the Old Testament. You had warrior judges. Those are who we think of the most, and that was most of them. But there was also priest judge. Uh, that was Eli. And then um, Samuel's a prophet judge. Okay? Um, with Samuel, the order of judges ends, and the order of prophets begins. Um, so... You see that also, by the way, in Acts 13.10, Stephen, uh, that's where Stephen is, um, right before he gets, gets killed, he is uh, giving a history of, of Israel. And that's where he says right there, the, the uh, end of the judges began, or the beginning of the prophets began with um, Samuel. Um, Samuel was a, uh, a great man of prayer. Um, he's one of the three significant leaders, uh, great leaders before the kings. Uh, you had Abraham, Moses, and Samuel. Uh, very highly regarded. Um, Samuel saw a great transition in the character of the nation of Israel. He was, um, uh, he wasn't, you know, a great warrior, a great politician, or anything like that, but he was a man of prayer. In uh, 1 Samuel 7, 1 through 13, the nation gathers to hear him pray. Can I ask a quick question? Sure. Uh, you said um, in the judges to the beginning of prophets. Prophets were like uh, preachers back in old times. Um, what was it? Is there a big difference between judges and prophets? Yes. Um, the judges were leading the people of Israel um, they were called by God to lead the people of Israel during this transition between um, jo Joshua and the kings. The prophets came throughout the entire time, um, and they came to preach the word of God uh, to, uh, to the people. Um, yeah, so um, prophets are different than the judges, have a different calling. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> So, 
the nation gathers to hear Samuel pray. Uh, in 1 Samuel 8, Samuel deals with great disappointment by prayer. In 1 Samuel 8, 1 uh, through 9, uh, says, uh, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. So he was disappointed, he was displeased, and he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all the people, uh, all that the people are telling are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this very day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. All right, so Samuel faced with great disappointment. You know, he's led Israel. He's done all these great things, and he gets, he gets to his older age, and they come to him and say, you're old, right? Your sons are not following in your way. We want somebody else, okay? Great disappointment. He goes to God in prayer. Um, when he spoke, heaven listened. Um, 1 Samuel 12, 16 through 25. Um, I'll read that. I'm reading 16 through 25. If you have your Bibles, you may want to go to Samuel and just kind of follow along on some of these. <clears throat> now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord your God is about to do before you, your eyes. It is not wheat, it, is it not wheat harvest now? I will call upon the Lord to send thunder and rain. And you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called upon the Lord. On, the same, on that same day, the Lord sent thunder and rain. And so the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord uh, your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all the other sins... Uh, with the evil of asking for a king. And he said, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord your God with all your heart. Do not turn away from after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of the Lord and his great name, um, for the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because he is pleased to make, make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Um, There's a prophetic aspect on that last part. Um, so when Samuel died, all of Israel mourned his death. Um, one of the Things that go, uh, you know, when we don't we don't really realize about Samuel was some of the greatness that he had. 
Um, Samuel is the one who, who, who really united the nation under this time of Judges, and he formed a system uh, for and the rapid growth of national education. Um, so before this, there wasn't a whole lot of education going on. So Samuel taught the Israelites, trained the men to be teachers, and he raised the whole country up mentally and morally. Um, it was him who taught them how to read and translate the Bible. Uh, so when we think about Jew, you know, Jewish people, we think smart, right? Um, intelligent, uh, scribes, and all these different things. Well, a lot of that came because of Samuel and, and the foundation he laid in making a national education process in the country. Okay? Um, when he died, there was great, great mourning for his death. Um, all right, so then enters Saul. All right, so um, uh, we have now in the book of Samuel, we have um, Saul and then David. So Saul was the first king. Um, David was the second. Both of these kings had early success, and both of them fell into grievous sin. Saul fell into sin and became embittered and then persecuted the people of God. David fell into sin and became repentant and sorrowful, sorrowful and uh, became known as a man after God's own heart. So Saul became king. Um, what was one of the reasons they made Saul king? Yeah, he looked good. He was a good-looking dude, right? Um, he was like, that's a king, right? Everybody looked at him and said, that is, that is who we want as a king. He was a big, tall, strapping man. Um, so he was the first king of Israel. Um, Saul did some good things. <clears throat> you know, he rescued the city of Jabesh. Um, and uh, the people rushed after that to make him king, install him as king. Um, he didn't want to be king, though. He hid. Remember? He did. He did. But once he once he took it, he was like, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm the man, right?" Um, one of his main jobs, one of his main duties, was to free the people from the Philistines. So, as a nation, they were going to fight against the Philistines and and free the nation from them. Um, so he, uh, he gathered a great army, and they went out and uh, fought against the Philistines, expelled them from the land. Um, but then he was a fool. Solomon was a fool. Um, in 1 Samuel 13, 5-14, I'll read that. So this is where they're about to fight fight them. So the Philistine Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth Aden. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and their army was pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns, some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Some, Saul remained in Gil, Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking in fear. All right, so they're afraid. You know, this, this a massive army is coming before them, and they're afraid. <clears throat> Earlier, Samuel had told him, wait to start the battle. I'll come and, um, and, and give an offering and pray. <clears throat> so verse 9. Um, no, verse 8. He waited seven days, 
the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offerings. Just as he, had, just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Samuel asked. And Saul said, When I saw that the men were scattering and that you didn't come at the set time, the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. <clears throat> Verse 13, You act foolishly, said Samuel. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now... Your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Right, so Saul had a, had a failure there. He did not trust in the Lord, um, and, uh, and he did the burnt offering. Uh, he was acting as a priest when he was supposed to just be a king. But we see that was Saul's sin, and God rejected him as king. What did David do? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> David's sin was probably a lot worse in a lot many different ways, many of them. Um, but God rejected Saul. Um, and part of that's because um, uh, Saul did not really truly repent. Um, his repentance wasn't, wasn't real, wasn't true, wasn't of the heart. So in, uh, go to 1 Samuel 15. Uh, they attack the Amalekites. Um, and God determined that this attack, this, this battle, um, was going to be one of divine judgment and divine retribution. Um, God was really upset with that, um, the Amalekites, uh, for other reasons I can't go into. Everything was to be destroyed. Everything, right? Nothing was to be taken. Saul goes in, destroys the Amalekites, and says, I'm going to spare the king and the best of the flock. Right? Um, I'm going to have the king as my footstool, basically, and I'm going to spare the flock and let the you know uh, and, and take that for myself. Um, there's no reason to to let that go to waste, and then I'll, I'll sacrifice or whatnot. Um, so instead of making this look like divine retribution, it looks like a reprisal and a plunder raid. Right? So God's not too happy about that. And then God rejects Saul as king. Uh, we read in First Samuel 15. 1 through 3, then verse um, verse 9 and uh, 23. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over, Israel, over the people of Israel. So listen now to the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'll punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them at the camp. Now go and attack them. Um, and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them and put them all to death. But Saul didn't. Um, and then verse 23, for rebellion. So this is a, a quote of, of something. But for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. All right, so Saul was rejected as king. Um his heart wasn't true to God. Uh, he, he appears to repent, but it isn't genuine. How do we know that? Because when God appoints the new king, David, what does Saul do? 
He tries to kill him, right? He doesn't submit to God's will. He says, no, I'm going to be the king, right? So in the book now we have a, um, uh, for, for several chapters, we're going to have both David and Saul together um, and, and going on at the same time. Uh, so now David, and I'm splitting David into two parts, before he becomes a king and after he becomes a king. So David, uh, we all know some of these stories. Uh, David earns the uh, adoration of the nation in his, in his uh, duel with Goliath, uh, destroying him. And, um, and, uh, and that's awesome. That's, he becomes very famous. People love him. And they start to sing songs about him, right? Uh, and this was, this was really what got under Saul's skin. Okay? So they come back from battle. What are they singing? They're singing... Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And this became a little tune, kind of like a pop song that was famous everywhere. And I was hearing it all over the place. And we see it it referred to three different times in this this section, 18, 22, and 29. And so um, uh, Saul doesn't like that, uh, that this little upstart is getting all this fame, right, and getting all this song sung about him. I should be having the songs. And so Solomon or Solomon, um, tries to kill David. Um, he attempts to kill him several times, four times. Once with a javelin, right, where he's playing the, uh, playing the harp. Another time with a dangerous mission, he said, all right, this is what I'll do. Right, you go do these things right here, and I'll let you marry my daughter. Right, His whole hope there was that Saul, well, David would go and you know, die um, in, in battle. But he didn't. He tried to get Jonathan and his servants to kill David. He then sent assassins to David's home. And that's where David flees out the window. Okay? And so Saul attempted to kill David multiple times. So the next chapters we see are of David um, wandering throughout the country, fleeing the wrath of Saul. Um, we also see um, David and Jonathan, uh, that great friendship of encouragement, spiritual encouragement comes up. I don't have time to go into it. I mean, Several of these could be lessons in themselves, right? Um, but this is a survey, so we're just going through. Um, and then, um, so we have the great friendship between Jonathan and David, and then uh, we see a couple times there where David spares Saul's life. Uh, he could have killed Saul twice, right? Um, he cut the hem of his robe when he was going to the bathroom, and then another time uh, he snuck into his camp while he was sleeping, and he took his spear and a jug of water from him. And then he goes across the river, yells out to him, and says, you know, I got this. And Anyway, so, uh, and that's when Saul stopped chasing David. All right, then we have um, King David. And this is where we start in 2 Samuel. Um, so Saul and Jonathan are killed. Saul falls on a sword. And David mourns, uh, mourns them. And then David is um, anointed king. And then, uh, and then he has to fight against Saul's household for a bit to unite um, Israel. Uh, yeah, so some, it takes a little while to get everything settled. And then um, David becomes king of united Israel, captures Jerusalem, brings the Ark of the Covenant to, uh, to Jerusalem. What was significant about bringing the Ark of the Covenant to, to Jerusalem? What, what was David doing at that point in time? 
Remember that story? What is he doing when the ark's coming in? Dancing. Dancing with joy, right? He's out there just going crazy and dancing. And uh, his wife that you know Saul gave him, Micah, what does she do? Yeah, she despises him. She's not wearing a lot of clothes. Yeah, she's like, oh, what are you doing? You're acting like a commoner, right? She doesn't like that. And um, it's interesting to note, Micah never had children. Okay, so she's she's despised Paul or uh, David, and I imagine their marriage wasn't very good. All right, and so uh, um, so she never had any children. The, the Uz is in there too. He reaches and uh huh touches. Them. Yep. Yep, so he touched it um, and gets killed. This is, the, this is the very beginning of the prophet times? Yes. Any of the king, king um, <coughs> any of the judges to the prophets in the beginning of the prophet times? The yes. Three of the prophets? Samuel's the first prophet. Okay. And then we'll have Nathan. Nathan's about to enter the, enter the scene. And then you have a bunch of others after that. Um, so God makes a covenant with David. Uh, this is worth reading. So 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 7, <coughs> chapter, verses 1 through 16 is what I'm going to read. Or actually, let somebody else read. Who wants to read 1 through 16? Go for it. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I will dwell in this house in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from <coughs> Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved, with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, uh, of wh whom I uh, commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you, wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of, sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever for me. Your throne shall be established forever. All right. <clears throat> so God makes an awesome covenant with David. 
um, that he will be his God, uh, and, and there will be a line of kings that will go forever from David. Obviously, that was culminated in, um, in Jesus. And that's going to be important later on. But um, uh, So Nathan tells David that, no, you can't build a temple for me. Your son will, right? Um, so then David goes around and uh, prepares, right? So he defeats all the surrounding nations. He secures Israel. He, he starts gathering all the stuff that Solomon would need in order to, uh, to build the temple. Um, and then, verse 11, we have the sin of David. Um, what is that sin? Bathsheba, right? Um, 1 Samuel 11, 1 uh, is, uh, is a good verse to, uh, to think on um, and to memorize even. Uh, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Um, they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Right, so in the time when kings go to war, David stayed home. He wasn't busy about God's business. He was idle, and in his idleness, wandered around, looked out the window, and the rest is history. Right, So he, he should have been off doing something, but he wasn't. Um, <clears throat> so you know, he lusts after Bath- Bathsheba. He takes her, he murders her husband, um, and then Nathan comes to him and um, confronts him. And David repents, genuinely repents. Uh, But there's still consequences, right? So his son dies, uh, son with Bathsheba, and then there's a (laughs) <laughs> a family discord. From this point on, David's life is like a bad soap opera. Right? I mean, there's all kinds of uh, interesting. Uh, it's a good read. Um, it's a, you know, these books are pretty interesting reads. Um, so we see the consequences of David's sin through First or Second Samuel 13, all the way through chapter 20. Uh, you got a bunch of stuff going on. You have uh, Amnon, one of his sons, rapes one of his daughters, his sister Tamar. Then Absalom kills Amnon. Um, Absalom then conspires against David and steals the hearts of the people. Uh, David has to flee his own kingdom. Um, and, uh, and then Absalom uh, takes over. He, he, he lies with the concubines where people could see, make it public, um, just as a way to um, offend David. Um, and then you know Absalom, uh, you know, through some battles, Absalom dies. David mourns him. Um, and then is able to go back to Israel, uh, Jerusalem in chapter 19. And then towards the end of his life, Sheba rebels against him, right? So, I mean, he had all kinds of, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I'm skipping some things, obviously, but there's, it's an it's a interesting um, soap opera type story. Uh, and that's the consequences of his sin. Um, <clears throat> then the rest of the book is basically about, uh, you know, you have David's song, David's last words, and then his last deeds. Uh, so Saul's religion, so the comparison between the two, Saul's religion was outward. David's was a matter of the heart. David was a genuine man. Um, he had serious consequences for his sin, uh, but um, he unified the nation. Uh, David obtained a royal capital. He conquered his enemies, extended Israel's territory. Um, 
He brought prosperity. He extended trade and developed poetry. The first evidence of orchestras <coughs> is David. I didn't know that. So the first in history of, of putting together orchestras was, was in David. He wrote psalms. Um, you know, David was a great sinner. He was also a great saint. Okay? Um, so from the line of David comes the king of kings. Uh, so a comparison between the two. Um, David was God's kind of king. Saul was man's kind of king. David was a man after God's own heart. Saul was a man after people's praise. David's kingship was eternal through Christ. Saul's kingship was rejected. David was kind and benevolent. Saul was cruel. David was forgiving. Saul was unforgiving. David was penitent. When confronted, Saul lied. David was courageous. Saul was fearful. And David was at peace with God, and Saul was separated from God. So the comparison between the two kings. Um, all right, so we finished the book of Samuel. Now we're into the book of Kings. Again, it's split the two only because of space constraint on the scrolls. Okay. <clears throat> So this book, the book of Kings, is a direct continuation of the book of Samuel. Right, so it just they just pick up right where the other one left off. Every king except Saul and David has their reign described and recorded in the book of Kings. So the book of Kings goes from Solomon all the way to um, uh, Hezekiah. All right? um, so, and we'll have... I think I gave you a sheet of that. We'll, you can see it in a minute. Um, we'll go over that in a moment. But um, So that's all the kings, right? We don't know who the author of kings is, uh, but we do know that the writer uses a variety of sources because the book was written over a span of 400 years, right? Um, and it was necessary to use sources. So they had other sources, and you can find that. Uh, 1 Kings 11.41, 14.19, and 14.29, they're referring to this other book that they're gathering this data, this information for, putting into this. <clears throat> we see in the book of Kings um, that the, the focus is on, um, on godly, you know, things that God is interested in. Are these people following me or not following me? Right? Because you see, you see an example of this when, um, one of the kings, Omri, he's going to be in uh, Israel, uh, the northern kingdom. He gets only six verses dedicated to him. But Omri was extremely important to the nation of Israel. Not as a godly man, but um, his renown was so great that the surrounding nations, for years after his death, referred to Israel as Omri land, not Israel. Right. So the land belonging to Omri. So he had... He had a lot of, uh, <clears throat> of influence. Um, Bible only gave him six verses when, if you look at other contemporary sources, he's given a ton of, of information. And it's because um, the author is, is looking at the spiritual perspective of that, not necessarily what, what they did, uh, what they accomplished as, 
as a king necessarily, right? So the focus is that. Now, through kings, we have the history of failure and progressive poverty. Right? So you can see the, the failure of God's people and the failure of man, you know, of a monarchy led by men, not by God. So the opening chapters of the book of Kings deals with Solomon. Um, so we have Solomon's rise to power. Um, he takes, he takes the, the, uh, the throne after a brief struggle. Um, his wisdom becomes legendary. Uh, Solomon had an iron rule. Uh, he ruled over a very, very large area. I'm going to show you a map in a minute. Uh, the people became um, a, a nation with a central government under Solomon. Uh, he, he was wise. He divided the nation up into 12 <laughs> districts. Uh, he had taxation, uh, pretty high taxation for the people. Um, so basically each district had to provide all of his needs for us uh, in a month. And, uh, and you can read, um, I think it's 1 Kings 4.22, uh, you can read what that, what that was. And it's, it's pretty significant <laughs> what they had to provide. Uh, just his household, what he needed in a day was, was kind of crazy. Um, he made a bunch of slaves of the Canaanites and used them in forced labor. He built the temple. Um, he, uh, he started a bunch of international trade. Um, you know, the, the kingdom of Israel at that time was a land bridge between Asia and Africa, and, they, and Solomon took advantage of that. He said, yeah, yeah he's wise. Um, and he became extremely wealthy, and Israel became extremely wealthy because of that. So we see in the first 11 chapters during Solomon's reign there, there are no military campaigns. Think about that, right? What just happened, right, um, from really entering the promised land? Now, tons of fighting, tons of battles. Solomon gets there. David did a good job. You know, he secured the land for his son. Now, Solomon has no, no battles. Um, but he did a lot of uh, um, politics. He, he, did, he had a lot of strategic marriages. Um, he had a very large army. Um, he also, uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, um, he married Pharaoh's daughter. Um, and at the time, for Egypt to marry off its daughter to a foreigner was unprecedented. Unprecedented. Okay, so that was kind of a big deal. And then, chapter 12, Solomon, um, Solomon dies. And um, this chapter is a pretty crucial chapter in the book. <clears throat> um, so the ten northern tribes split off from the southern tribe of Judah. Right? So now you have the northern kingdom and you have uh, the southern kingdom. Um, from this point on, in the book of Kings, it gets pretty confusing, right? Because it goes back and forth between the different kings. Um, and it's pretty hard to follow. That's why I gave you all that timeline um, uh, that, that shows the different kings. Um, and if you don't have one, I can get one, but it's the color copy there. Um, so it shows the different kings. You got the good and the bad. Um, uh, it's colored uh, there. In fact, I'm going to get to it in a minute. Also, um, Elisha and Elijah are in this, in, in this book, uh, and they take up about a third of the book. Uh, and the reason for that is their immense spiritual significance. 
So why did the split happen? Why did the book, why did the kingdoms split? In verse, uh, 1 Kings 11, verses 9 through 13. Somebody want to read that? 9 through 13? 1 Kings, I'm sorry, yeah. 1 Kings 9, or 11, 9 through 13. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my commandment, my covenant, and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So, that's why this will happen. Alright, Solomon. Solomon's reign can be described in three words. Rising, shining, declining. You have Solomon's rising. Um, you know, he, he instituted a very well-organized government and a variety of other things that I mentioned already. <clears throat> his shining, the growth of his empire, the magnificent trade that was enjoyed at the time, great peace and prosperity, the building of the temple. That was, that was a big deal. He did all of that. And then the declining. His foreign wives led him astray. And uh, we see here that the man who built the temple and encountered God in the temple, at this point towards the end, is now on a different mountain, worshiping at the shrines of various deities and all of that, and doing this in, in, in a sense to placate his wives. All right, so Solomon started off great, he rose, started off great, and then he declined pretty significantly. So Israel, um, so I want to see a map here of, of the two. So this is Israel as a united kingdom. Pretty big. It takes up a, a very large space. Um, all the way, um, can't see it on both sides. Um, so um, you have the whole blue. You know, it's, it's a very large area. Um, and then once they, so that's the united land. And then... Israel, as a divided kingdom, you see now split up. They lose some of this land, some of this land over here. That becomes Judah, and that becomes Israel. All right? <clears throat> the relations between the two kingdoms was strained. So now we have a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom... Um, uh, so in that kingdom, Jeroboam, in uh, 1 Kings 12, <clears throat> Jeroboam built a bunch of shrines for, for the people uh, because he wanted them to, uh, to worship in his country, and he didn't want them to have to go down to the south and worship in Jerusalem. So he built a bunch of shrines because he was worried that he'd lose the hearts of the people if they went south. So he said, no, no, no. And he made up a religion. He basically just made it up using some of the, um, you know, what they would understand and such. But he, he, he uh, um, 
he set up a false religion. And so from that time on to its destruction, there was not a single good king for the nation, for the northern kingdom. Not a single one. All of them were apostate. Um, let's see. It is interesting that he had two golden calves just like the Israelites. Uh huh. It is. Um, all right. So y'all have that one. I'm going to show you this one. <laughs> you can't read that. Um, but I have it. I have it somewhere. Where do I have it? All right. So, this is a different timeline. I couldn't print it out because it's, it doesn't fit on a piece of paper. Um, but uh, um, it has the, so you have the United Kingdom. Uh, Saul did some good, some bad. David, I mean, now Saul was all bad, excuse me. David was, was all good, basically, man after God's own heart. And then you have Solomon, mixed bag. And then we go through here. So this one has the um, Judah on the left. On the one in front of the Judas on the right. So um, just keep that in mind as we're looking at these. Uh, so Jeroboam was the first king, and he's the one who I just mentioned said, you know, they started their own religion, basically. Um, and uh, um, then you notice we have a bunch of kings, and Israel only has a couple, and then Asa, really good king. There's Omri that I mentioned a minute ago, um, right there. Can you see my mouse? Oh, you can't. I'm looking. That didn't come over there. Why didn't that come over? I'm looking at something on my computer, and y'all aren't seeing it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. How do I... um, escape. Technical issues. This worked when I did it on my. Uh... All right. Well, maybe maybe I got to exit out of this. There we go. All right. Now you can see what I'm looking at. Okay. Um, so this is what I was trying to show you. Um, so you had Saul, David, Solomon in the United Kingdom, and then the kingdom is divided. Uh, this is what I was talking about where you had uh, the kings of, of Judah on the left, whereas on your, your handouts on the right. Um, Jeroboam, first king of Israel. Asa was king, uh, you know, during the time of about six or seven kings um, for the north. So they had a lot of intrigue going on. You know, uh, one guy, Zimri, only lasted seven days, um, you know, two years. Omri, um, that's the one I was just mentioning. You know, he only gets six verses. Um, and then uh, you have Jehoshaphat and then Ahab. Uh, and this is these are pretty significant uh, because Ahab, uh, he married Jezebel. And, um, and, you know, synonymous of evil. Um, and they were terrible, terrible. Jehoshaphat, um, 
I think it was Jehoram actually. So Jehoram um, then formed an alliance with Ahab, and his son married their daughter. Right. So Ahab's daughter and Jezebel's daughter. Her name was um, Athaliah. Okay. So uh, Ahaz. So Jehoram's son, uh, that guy, married her, and then he ended up dying after a year. Was it suspicious? I don't know. But uh, he ended up dying after a year, and then she became the leader, the queen of Israel for seven years. And this is important because her, her, um, one of her main goals was to destroy the line of David. Um, and so she killed everybody except Joash. Joash was hidden in the temple for like six or seven years during her reign. And then, um, and then he became king. And so he, he, uh, he was around for quite some time. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of different kings are going on. You know, over on the, on, the, on the north, you know, they have, you know, six months, one month, you know, ten years, two years. A lot of kings, all of them bad. The last king of the north was Hosea, or however you say that. Um, and then they fall. Israel or Judah continues on for quite some time. And then you have Josiah. Um, Josiah was important. If you notice, he's in the middle of a bunch of bad kings. Uh, Josiah was important. If you remember when I taught on um, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, I mentioned something about the book of Deuteronomy. Um, and I read it specifically for this. What happened to the book of Deuteronomy? When, Mo when, when he wrote it, what did Moses, where did he say to put it? He said, don't put it in the ark. Right? And it got lost. And then Josiah now finds it. And now we have a revival in the land. Right? So revival takes over. People um, start to worship the Lord. Big revival goes, but then Josiah dies and it doesn't take. <laughs> and then they go back to the, the way they were. Um, and then you have the end. Right? So let me go back to. Who was ruling the northern kingdom at that time? Um, Josiah. Oh, during that time, uh, there was there wasn't one. There, I mean, but it was gone. What country took over? I'll, I'll show you that in a second. Okay. So. Good. Good question. Um, yeah, the Assyrians. To answer your questions, the Assyrians. Um, all right. So also now enters Elijah and Elisha. And I really wish I had time to go into these guys. Uh, they're awesome. All right, so read, read these books. Uh, they're really cool. So 1 Kings 17, 1, Elijah shows up just out of the blue, unannounced. He comes into the, to the uh, court of Ahab and proclaims that, you know, because it's so bad, there will be no rain until I, until I say so, basically. And um, he then flees. Um, and he's, he hides in, uh, in that ravine, and he's fed by ravens. Remember that story? He's, he's got water in the stream, and ravens come and deliver him food. And then he provides for the widow, um, Zarephath, however you say her name. Uh, he also brings her son back from the dead. Um, he challenges Ahab and the priests 
of Baal on Mount Carmel, right? He says, all right. He gives them wood and say, you know, says, all right, y'all set up an altar and see if, see if your God can, can light it on fire. You know, they're doing all their crazy stuff and nothing happens. He does the same thing. He puts water on it even. And he says, God, do it. Boom. <laughs> on fire, right? Pretty awesome. Um, and then he has the call of Elisha. Um, Elijah then is taken up to heaven. He's one of the two people who does not die in the Bible. Who's the other? Enoch, right? So Elijah is taken up into heaven. And Elisha says, I just want to, I just want to, I just want part of your spirit, right? And Elisha comes on the scene. And frankly, Elisha's in there. So um, Solomon, I mean, uh, Elijah was 20 years as a prophet. Elisha was 60. Okay, so Elisha was, <laughs> was pretty awesome. Um, he performs all kinds of miracles. A lot of these miracles we see, again, performed by Christ. So um, he, he makes clean water. He has a victory over Moab. He, he uh, makes the widow's oil continue, uh, make, make, you know, unlimited. He raises um, a Shunammite's son uh, back to life. He feeds a hundred people out of, you know, a little bit of food. He heals leprosy. He, there's a floating axe head, and there's so many other different things. Pretty cool stories. Highly encourage you to read them, um, but I don't have time to go into them. But uh, Elijah and Elisha, massive characters in the book of Kings. Doesn't Christ reference the leprosy by saying there was plenty of lepers in Israel, but Elisha went to a... He could, yeah. I think so. I'm not drawing that, but that's fine. Am I wrong on that? I'm sure he did. You could be right. Um, but Jesus definitely refers to Elijah and Elisha a lot. So, um, is, so to, to your first question, earlier question there, Bill. So Israel was destroyed by Assyria. Um, so Assyria was up on the north. And they came down, and this is just a map showing the different campaigns, had multiple campaigns to utterly destroy Israel. Israel was um, uh, no more. Um, God raised up an oppressor to get rid of them. And um, let's see. So... Israel, one of the interesting things about this also is Israel goes to um, Judah and says, hey, can you help us? Because Assyria is attacking us. And Judah says, uh-uh, no, uh, we don't want anything to do with it. And so then they go to Egypt, um, and they get help from Egypt. <clears throat> During that time, Hezekiah, I believe is the king, um, goes and he shows off the, uh, the, the treasury and all this stuff um, to uh, uh to the ambassadors from Egypt, and then eventually that word gets out, and and it's like, okay, there's some valuable things here, and they take over, um, take them over. Um, so finally, Israel is gone. Now Judah remains. That little part right there, they had that whole map almost, and now they're in just that one little area. Judah's all alone, all by itself. All right, um, and then. Um, up rose Babylon. Um, now this was, yeah. So um, up rose Babylon. 
and uh, and they come out and they they destroy Israel or Judah. So Judah is destroyed and the people are exiled into Babylon. That's the campaign map of it. So that's Babylon. Um, so that shows the uh, exile. So Babylon took over a, a very large. Uh, I like this because it showed the current. So Babylon went from Turkey all the way over to Iran, had Iraq, Syria, Jordan, uh, parts of Saudi Arabia, and Egypt. Right. So so Babylon took over a pretty large area, um, <clears throat> and they took the Israelites from Jerusalem and had the exile all the way over there into the capital uh, there in Babylon. And that's where we find some of the next books with David and some of the others. Um, so Judah is destroyed, people are exiled. But last thing, um, or one of the last things, 2 Kings um, 25, 27 through 30, basically... God, um, so I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to explain it. So, um, find it. so essentially, after they've been uh, 37 years in exile, uh, the king of uh, Babylon releases Jehoiakim, or however you say his name, from prison. Um, he was the final king of Israel, and he was then released from prison and given a stipend that he could live on, and uh, that's important because the line of David continues, right, um, and that continues on. All right. So, whew, we got through it. Um, key takeaways. Um, I was going to have time for, I was hoping to have some time for questions and talk and discussion, but I'm just going to go through some of this. Revival can only come when God's people cease to honor other gods before the Lord. So um, you can't have revival if you're worshiping other gods. Comparing Saul and David, we learn the difference between ritualistic worship and heartfelt worship. Compare Jonathan and Joab. We didn't really go into Joab, didn't have time. But you see the difference between unselfish service and selfish service in, to, in those two people. Idleness. In God's work, lead to sin. I mentioned that earlier. Consequences of sin are immediate and long-term. We see that in David's life, right? His son died immediately, but there was a lot of family turmoil that happened. It's also personal and communal. Um, so take sin seriously. Fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham and David, ultimately in Christ, and then we have uh, the Lord will provide all we need, looking at Elijah and Elisha. Jealousy and envy are divisive and have no place in the church. Um, thinking of Saul and what he did. God is pleased more by our heart than our work, though we should strive to please him with both. Um, God will see his people depart from him. God will not see his people depart from him with, without he himself departing from them. Um, trials strengthen our faith and hope. So one of the issues with Solomon, I mentioned it, he had no battles. And um, he, he petered off at the end. First uh, Peter 1, 6 through 7, uh, and then James 1 and 2 uh, make it very clear. Um, I'll just do James 1, 2 through 4. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's it. All right, so any other key takeaways or, or points that I didn't touch that you want to have a minute or two to discuss? All right, let me close this in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your grace, your glory, your goodness. We thank you for how you worked in, um, in our lives individually, but uh, just to see your covenant and uh, see how you're working uh, in the past with the people of Israel. You are a good and gracious and glorious God. We pray, God, that you help us this day to worship you. Help us to do so in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.